For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Shack. Sport Shack. It's Sport Shack. And away we go with episode 259 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Chase Utley episode? I feel like I've heard that name. Oh, Philadelphia Philly ended his career with the Dodgers. World Series MVP had five homers in a World Series. 259 in his big league career, the pride of the UCLA Bruins, if they had any, Chase Utley. (laughs) Here's my memory of the UCLA Bruins. My neighbor, best buddy, his uncle, yeah, it would be his uncle, played for UCLA when we were younger. He was a big football player, Mm. and they painted a picture of him on my friend's room like a you know, like those fat heads that they have now, yeah. you know? Somebody painted it. And so I never saw him play. Of course, you don't get UCLA games in Stevensville, Michigan. Right. But uh, I remember him coming one time to town. And, Chuck, he was on, I kid you not, pre-Hulk Hogan. The side hair, long hair, bald on top, the the handlebar mustache, and just beef. Jacked. Just UCLA brewing beef. And um, and that's my story of the UCLA Bruins. See, right now, we have already ticked off Diane Freebie in this episode. Why is that? Well, she's a big USC fan. And so, I mean, the easy line would to be said here would be UCLA is a four-letter word in our house. But it's a four-letter word in every house. It's, <laughs> it's a subject she does not like brought up. I had an ex-girlfriend give me a USC hat for Christmas back in the late 80s. And I asked her when I opened it, why? And her response? I thought you'd like this. Okay. I don't. I don't like it at all. Well, Diane Freebie <laughs> waiting for your 30-year-old gift. Maybe I'll find that and hand it to you. Here, give this to Diane. Yeah. It's never been worn. Okay. So it's fresh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I look good in that color. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> were you ever given a sports jersey or outfit or hat, and you were like, I, I'm not a fan of this? Did anyone ever Because you're like, well, you like sports. You're Chuck Freebie. Did anybody ever do that to you? Uh, no, not really. You know, back in the 70s, there was a sports guy in town named Sam Smith. Sam Smith. On WSBT. And his thing was, if you sent him a hat from your school or whatever, okay, he would wear it on the air. That was his, his shtick. And... Uh, it was good. It, he was very successful with that. Great, great way to tie it in local. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! 
Speaking of local, tonight. Yes. Marion, Bishop Chatard, you. Chatard is ranked number one. They're the defending state champs. They have more state titles in football than any school in Indiana. They are the gold standard by which all others are measured. Marion has been to the semi-state now three out of the last four years. But they haven't been to a state finals since 1976. They're tired of knocking on the door. They want to bust through the door. So that's kind of the main storyline as you look at this one tonight over at Atulski Field. Shatard graduated a ton of people from last year's team. I thought last year's team was widespread as talented as they've been in some time. This year's team, the defense is not as good as last year's, but they've put up some really good numbers. But talent-wise, I'm not sure the defense is ranks up with last year's defense. The offense is surprisingly good and with almost a a machine-like quality. They will hit the occasional big play, but their idea is to just march on you. Four-yard plays, five-yard plays, just wear you out and just wear you down as the game goes on. So when you look statistically at the numbers for Bishop Chatard versus Marion, You'll see the Bishop Chatard people have thrown you know, twice as many passes. Running backs got twice as many carries as the Marion guys because Marion is really built for the big play. They rely heavily on the big play in their offense, and they've hit a lot of them this year. They're scoring 40 points a game. They've got Maddox Begonia Bright, quarterback, very exciting player to watch. Greg Atkinson, one of the receivers, strong tailback, and Malcolm Anderson. They've got some wonderful skill people. Bishop Chatard may be the first team that Marion has played this year that can match them in team speed. So that's going to be fascinating to watch that play out, as well as the battle between the two lines of scrimmage. Both teams have quite a bit of size on the offensive line, not as much on the defensive line. So how is that going to play out? A year ago, Bishop Chatard came up here and beat up a banged-up Marion team that didn't have its quarterback, had a running back playing with a hamstring pull, didn't have one of its receivers, and just blew him out of the water, 45-0. It will not be that way at a Tulski Field tonight. But until somebody dethrones the king, you have to say that Bishop Chatard is the favorite in this game. With 14 state titles, are these young men, Chuck, that go on to bigger and better things? Do they have a track record of college players or it's just real good high school football? Well, it primarily is real good high school football. Now, you remember the Martin brothers that played at Notre Dame and now play in the NFL, Zach and Nick? They are Bishop Chatard products. Okay. Uh, But they haven't really churned out a bunch of skill people that are in the NFL, things like that. Um, fact of the matter is, it's it's a program. It's a program that that kids grow up in. They go to school there, and they succeed. How do I watch this game tonight? Well, you can't watch it the way you've watched most of the season. You can't put on the Forty Six Sports Facebook or YouTube pages because the IHSAA is requesting that all the web streaming done be done behind a pay per view wall this year. 
for the semi-state. They're trying to recoup some of the lost ticket prices. So you can plunk down fourteen ninety-five and watch this game with your spouse or your son or other family members, and you'd actually save money on the price of a ticket. I think tickets are ten bucks for tonight. So you plunk down, or actually they're eight bucks. So fourteen ninety-five. If you have two or more people watching, you're going to save money. Or if you're like me and kind of tight with the wallet, you can wait till eleven tonight. Or Saturday morning at 9 and watch it on TV 46. Okay. I tell you what, there's a, an excitement and electricity in the air with Indiana football. Tom Allen has this team believing. And I posted an article on both Twitter and Facebook last night. I thought it was a really well-done article talking about when Tom Allen first started as a head coach at a high school down in Florida. And how he got this team that had been one in nine for their lives. <laughs> Seems like every year they went one in nine to finally start believing and believing in themselves. And he's done that everywhere he's gone, including this IU team that goes in with a record of four and zero. Nobody can remember the last time that IU had a top 10 football showdown because it's never happened before. They have never been ranked in the top 10 and played another team in the top 10 until tomorrow afternoon at the Horseshoe when they have to go play big, bad Ohio State University in their home stadium and see if they can knock off the perennial kings of the Big Ten. That's going to be no small task. I mean, Ohio State is loaded with talent, starting with their quarterback, Justin Fields. But... Tom Allen's not backing down from this challenge. He's not just sitting there singing the praises of Ohio State. He believes his team has earned its right and belongs in this game. And so far, that's true. Hoosiers are 4-0. Let's see if they can do it tomorrow. You can hear the game. If you can't get near a TV, you can hear it right on Pulse FM 103.1 at high noon. Tonight, 7.30, it's Purdue in Minnesota. Any any reason behind a Friday night game? Well, the Big Ten has put one game on a Friday night just to get some more exposure for the conference. Okay. I hate the fact that they do that, though. I think it detracts from high school football. Yeah. And there will be, be fans that will pass on watching the live stream of the IHSAA games tonight so that they can watch Purdue. Understandably so. Jeff Brom's team goes on the road after the disappointing loss to Northwestern. All kinds of questions right now about this Purdue team. Who will be the quarterback tonight? Will it be Aiden O'Connell? Apparently he was a little banged up after the Northwestern game. If not, Jack Plummer comes off the bench to take the reins of the offense. Will Rondale Moore play? Haven't played all year. Rumor out of West Lafayette is he's got a hamstring problem. Uh, That he came back, said he was going to play, had a slight hamstring pull, uh, Purdue has not necessarily been forthright with why he's not playing. They just told people he's not playing. George Karloftis, their outstanding defensive end, was banged up. He's a game-time decision as well. So a lot of the pieces to this Purdue puzzle, kind of unknown as they go up and take on P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Gophers have been a bit of a disappointment this year. They lost at home to Michigan to open up the season, lost last week to Iowa, We'll see if Purdue can uh, add a little pelt, a little gopher pelt to their belt tonight and raise the record to 3-1. and one. You can hear that game on Pulse FM.
Uh, 7.30, of course, pregame at 6.30. Notre Dame has the weekend off. Some nice Weston wewaxation, Chuck Freeby. Well, they have not rested on the recruiting trail this week. They have hauled in four commitments on the recruiting trail this week, and three of those are players that were committed to other schools and now have flipped their commitment to Notre Dame. Now, this used to happen all the time to the Irish. So Brian Kelly said, okay, if it's going to be open season, we can play that game too. The thing I always wonder about a kid that committed at one point to one school and then winds up committing to your school, well, how committed is he really? You know, what what swung the pendulum in your favor? What was said in the living room? Right. Okay. And... You know, he's already given his word and reneged on it once. Until you see that signed letter of intent, the verbal commitment really means not all that much. Nevertheless. I don't pay a lot of attention to the uh, the um, commitment conversation, but does someone ever ask the head coach, like, hey, what do, what is it that you think you said that made him change his mind? Does that ever ask? Well, yeah. For instance, usually it's asked not to the head coach but to the to the player themselves. Okay. You have a lot of writers these days that cover just recruiting. Sampin Tribune has one named Carter Carls. He covers just recruiting. When we had Steve Wiltfawn on the mm-hmm. show uh, a few episodes ago, he covers just recruiting. And they'll, they build up relationships with these kids, and they talk to these kids. So, for instance, Philip Riley, the defensive back that flipped from USC to Notre Dame this week, one of the things he was taken with was how much the coaches and the football team in general has helped players promote their campaign for social justice, um, talked about race issues, been very upfront about that kind of conversation. That had a great appeal to him. Uh, obviously, that's not going to necessarily be the case with every kid and why they, they flip. The two guys they got yesterday, Kahuna Kai is a linebacker out of Hawaii. He went to the same high school as Manti Teo. Well, if I'm a linebacker and I went to the same high school as Manti Teo and I see what Teo's Notre Dame experience was like, minus obviously one major episode, but if I see what his career was like and how Notre Dame helped prepare him for the NFL, yeah, I'd be interested too. And Notre Dame has had a terrific success rate on hitting with kids from the state of Hawaii during Brian Kelly's tenure. Uh, Brian Polian is the main recruiter over there in Hawaii, and he does a good job on that. So they get this linebacker out of Hawaii, and then they flipped an offensive lineman who had committed to Auburn, a kid named Caleb Johnson out of Ocala, Florida, who was getting recruited mainly by all the SEC and ACC schools. And Johnson's going to come to Notre Dame. Jeff Quinn, the offensive line coach, an offensive line coach that, quite frankly, was under a lot of fire last year. A lot of people, and and myself included, questioned how good an offensive line coach Jeff Quinn was and how good a recruiter he would be. Because he was succeeding a guy named Harry Heastan, who all of Harry Heastan's offensive linemen swear by him that he's the best that he's the goat. And so naturally you bring in this guy and in big games, Notre Dame failed to deliver 
couple of times last year. And that raised some questions about Jeff Quinn and his offensive line. Well, nobody's asking questions about Jeff Quinn now. So he brings in Caleb Johnson out of Ocala, Florida, and Notre Dame brings in four verbal commitments in a bye week. That's a pretty productive week for your coaching staff. Yeah. Hey, can we stay in the thread of commitments and talk about Blake Wesley? Yeah. Um, we are recording this. Some, as I look past Corey at the clock, it's 920 Friday morning. In a little more than an hour, and probably before you have a chance to listen to this episode, Blake Wesley, who is a standout shooting guard at Riley High School here in South Bend, will announce his verbal commitment. He has narrowed his list down to six schools. Included in that list are both Notre Dame and Purdue. I do know that Blake Wesley attended J.R. Kinesny's signing date a couple of weeks ago. J.R. Kinesny is the young man from St. Joe High School who committed to Notre Dame. So the fact that he was there, uh, there's another young man down in Fort Wayne who also has Purdue and Notre Dame on his list and is deciding next month in December where he's going to go in 2022, and Blake Wesley is close with him. So it could be, could be, that Mike Bray is putting together a nice little pipeline here in northern Indiana of talent coming to Notre Dame. The question, of course, would be, is that pipeline good enough? Are the, are the players that we have up here, and, and ultimately this is a question I get a lot, asked a lot. Well, are the players up here good enough? Are they competitive enough? Can they compete on the big, big stage? You know, it's a question we have with Marion and Chittard tonight. It's a question we have now with, with Blake Wesley. No matter where he commits to school, what will it be like for him on the big stage? Because you only have to look at Riley High School and back up two years to Demise Anderson. Went to IU. Didn't really work out for him there. Now has transferred to Loyola. Now, sometimes that's the kid. Sometimes that's the coach. Sometimes they're equally to blame. And how Demise's career goes from here, who knows? Wish him nothing but the best. But remember, when these kids make these commitments, they can also change them. Not necessarily before they go, but they can change them in a year or two. And we'll see what happens as things go forward here. But uh, by Monday's episode of the Act, we will certainly know what Blake Wesley did, and perhaps some of the why behind his decision. Okay. Let's see here. Let's talk about NFL. There was a game last night, and there's a big game this weekend. Well, the game last night, and rarely is the Thursday night game worth watching, but last night you had two 6-3 and three teams who are tied for the lead in the NFC West and two of the more exciting quarterbacks in the NFL, and Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And they went head-to-head, -head, and Murray kind of got banged up early in this game, and I thought it showed. And Seattle winds up winning this football game 28-21, so they now have the lead in the NFC West. Neither quarterback, neither quarterback was spectacular last night. I mean, they made a couple of plays, but it, overall I thought the defenses were more the story of that game and the fact that a Seattle defense – that really had kind of been pushed around for much of the season, came up with a big win against Arizona last night. The game that 
intrigues me the most on Sunday is the late afternoon contest down at Lucas Oil Stadium where the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers coming in and that attack take on the best defense in the NFL, that of the Indianapolis Colts. And so which is going to hold up the most? Is this Colts defense for real? Can it handle a quarterback like Rodgers? Can the Green Bay offensive line protect Rodgers enough against all the schemes the Colts will run? And what's Phillip Rivers going to be like on Sunday? Do you trust, let me ask you this, casual fan, do you trust Phillip Rivers in a game like this? If, if I throw out to you the names Aaron Rodgers and Phillip Rivers, which one do you lean to the most? Aaron Rodgers. Of course you do. Because I think we're still trying to figure out which Philip Rivers shows up this season. Game to game, game to you game, sure are. right? Yeah. So, I'm not sure who's favored in that game, but if it's a pick em, I'm going to lean towards the Packers just because of that quarterback. I love the Colts' defense. Do I think the Colts have a Super Bowl defense? No, we talked about that the other day. Do I think the Indianapolis Colts are as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs? No. No, I don't. Are they as good as the Baltimore Ravens? Not sure. By the way, that's a really good game Thanksgiving night. Once you've had your turkey, you're settled in, Corey. I don't know if you have to be in here Friday morning. I hope your voice tracked Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't. Baltimore and Pittsburgh, Thanksgiving night. There's a lot of sports on Thanksgiving Day. There is. Isn't there? There is. There, well, it's Thanksgiving is what? Turkey and football. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to watch the Lions at 1230, I mean, be my guest. But if you're going to watch one game on Thanksgiving <laughs> Day, Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, my daughter's alma mater makes the news this morning, so we got to bring up uh, Grace College. 137 points last night. In a college basketball game, Scott Moore's got them moving and grooving. This is a Grace team that I there's no question they can score. How it will be when they get to the Crossroads League is anybody's guess. But last night they lit up Oakland City 137-107. And so good for Scott Moore. They get a they get a quality win there. And hopefully we'll get to a point where the Crossroads League season can go unabated. We shall see. I I have I'm sorry I have misgivings about basketball season. I got to be honest. Um, we haven't really talked about high school basketball coming up, other than than mentioning a couple names here. But the high school girls basketball season has been going for three weeks. There are 51 teams around the state that have not been able to play a game yet because of COVID. Mm. So you're saying I'm reading between the lines. You don't either think that the basketball season will start or it's just going to have many, many speed bumps. I think speed bumps. I think it will start, but I think... Yeah. My son's dealing with it right now. 14 days, sidelined the whole team, and then you have to get four practices in before the next game. I think he he and they play December 3rd or 4th. Yeah, it's really three weeks off, Yeah, basically, once, once your team gets it. And the the problem with basketball as opposed to football, football, if one or two kids get it, they might be isolated enough, especially if they're on the JV, where it's not going to affect the varsity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
basketball, lots of times you scrimmage against your JV. Now, some schools have been able to do it in such a way where uh, they can keep people separated, at least the varsity and the JV. So I know Penn had to cancel four JV games, but their varsity doesn't scrimmage against their JV. Therefore, the varsity can keep playing. But a lot of schools don't have that. A lot of schools have to, or in your son's case with an eighth grade team, I mean, they're, it's intra-squad all the time. So yeah. one or two kids get it with the contact tracing. That means everybody's got to sit. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest problem that faces basketball, not only at the high school level. Yesterday, DePaul University up in Chicago canceled its first three games because of COVID. What a mess. What a mess, Chuck Brady. We'll throw in this, too, if you haven't already heard. NBA News, Golden State star Clay Thompson out. Achilles tendon uh, that he injured, I believe, the same day as the NBA draft. Didn't stop the Warriors from drafting James Wiseman, the 7-1 player out of Memphis. Uh, yesterday, the Warriors picked up Kelly Oubre, who... Is a good player. He's not Clay Thompson. He's a good player. The acquisition of Kelly Oubre, though, will cost the franchise about eighty million when it comes to contract and ta- and luxury tax. On top of that, so that to me is a sign that the Warriors still believe that they're a contender in the West. Last year, you know, forget about last year with all the injuries to Steph Curry and everything. They think they are ready to contend again in the. NBA Western Conference. Good luck. I think the NBA West is where the bulk of the talent is. And if you're looking at the draft uh, that was held Wednesday night and saying, what were the Bulls doing? Well, that's a valid question. The Bulls had the fourth selection of the draft. And you heard Tom Noy and I talk about this on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. They went out and got a player that doesn't even start for Florida State. James Williams was the sixth man of the year in the ACC. Now, James Williams went to all these private workouts for the NBA teams, and his stock rose because he's 6'9", he's got a really good wingspan, he can play defense. But offensively, he's a bit of a project. And on a Bulls team that, quite frankly, has had problems scoring points, now I know you got a brand-new coach, brand-new philosophy, Maybe Billy Donovan can be Annie Sullivan and go in there and be a miracle worker. But I I just don't know about drafting a guy that has problems putting the ball in the basket when your whole team has that problem too. You would think you'd try to solve that. Well, they all have something in common. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Oh, but that was a head-scratcher for many of the Bulls fans. Look. That, that's a player they looked at as a project. When you draft that high, I'm not sure you take players who are projects. Uh, Minnesota certainly didn't do that with Anthony Edwards, the kid out of Georgia who was the number one pick. A lot of people think Charlotte got the steal of the draft taking LaMelo Ball at number three. But as we said on Wednesday, overall as a draft, meh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I realize part of the magic for people of the NBA draft isn't even who gets drafted where or anything. that's seeing the suits and everything and the glitz and glamour on stage. And, of course, that was taken away because of COVID, too. So the entire draft was kind of a, a meh. 
So I juggle between two podcasts, this one with Chuck called Sports Yak and another one where we I interview artists that we play on Pulse FM called What Else? And episode 100 came out today with an icon in Christian music, Amy Grant. Amy is married to Vince Gill. Vince Gill is a country superstar, mm-hmm. Chuck Freebie. He's also an eagle now for the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, when Glenn Fry passed away, and his son Deacon stepped into the group and just hitting all those high notes that uh, Randy Meisner used to hit, they brought in Vince Gill, who can not only play great guitar, but can sing all those high notes. And uh, as I listened to that episode on the way in, I thought, there's my underrated overrated. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Eagles. I would say right down the line. Yeah. Right down the line. I don't think it's possible to overrate the Eagles. I I just don't. And I'm talking the group, not the football team, because the football team is vastly overrated. But (laughs) the singing group, the Eagles... I don't think you can overrate them, and yet I think they get so much respect and so many props that I don't think they're underrated. A lot of people might not know this, but they are the biggest selling group of all time. Yeah. So clearly they can't be underrated. If they're the biggest selling group of all time, they have not been underrated. Favorite Eagles song, if I put you on the spot? Ooh. Um, By the way, she tells us in that episode 100 where Nick, I'm sorry, where Vince uh, hits the home runs, what songs he does in the set that he just soars. What are her? Uh, his first song that he sings in their current set is Take It to the Limit. Mm-hmm. He does all the high parts. And then he sings my favorite song towards the end, Heartache Tonight. Ooh, I do like Heartache Tonight. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the song. It, it's It's one of their hits. It's not Hotel California. Is it slower? It's or is it? Yeah, it's slower. Um, you got uh, Desperado. No. You've got um, Peaceful, Easy Feeling. Do like that one. You've got um, Life in the Fast Lane, Tequila Sunrise, um, Heartache Tonight, uh, The Long Run, In the Long Run. Yeah. Uh, City Boys just seem to find out early. Or city girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. Uh, and when you say it in your broadcast voice, I can't put my finger I on know, it. I know. I <laughs> know. And I listen to this one all the time. I know people out there are screaming at me. Can I have that l- lyric again? City girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. Lion Eyes. Yes. You can't hunt. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. 1975, Chuck Creepy. Yeah, they're good stuff. Because I think that's I think that's just a great example of storytelling, which I loved about the Eagles music. They did a lot of storytelling in their music. Yes. I have um I have a couple for you. Okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Man, they were hot. When they were hot, hence <laughs> they were their red name, hot. man, they were red hot. And I I think that the fans that they got their hooks into when they were red hot still kind of stick with them. But I think the general populi, they're not a blip on the radar like they used to be. Right. I would say uh, overrated. Okay. 
I've uh, seen them a couple times. I've met them. I was I was surprised how short they are. Ah. Uh, Anthony Kiedis and Flea, maybe. Well, yeah. And I'm being generous, maybe five foot. There's a reason they call him Flea. Yeah. <laughs> they put on a great show. Well, this is back in the day. This is 91 when I saw him. But I would say overrated. I would agree. I would agree. I think their impact was a blip. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they have they have their legion of fans mm-hmm. that just swear by them. I love Chad Smith on drums because he's just beating them mercilessly. mercilessly. Yes, <laughs> and Flea's a great bass player. But yeah, let me give you one more. Okay, Sting. Oh man, you know I love me some Police. Mm-hmm. But Sting by himself, or no, Sting is just body o- of work. Overall, body of work. Oh boy! So you have to include the Police, but you also have to include the Gordon Testerman. Uh, Gordon Sumner. Gordon Sumner, excuse me. I've seen him a couple times by himself, never got to see the police. I, man, I love Sting. I love... Uh, mm, I would say early... I would say a little bit into the solo career, overrated. I would back it off now and say kind of right down the middle. The police stuff was through the roof. Yeah. I'm I'm amazed still how influential they are to the big rock stars and the ones of today. Like hearing the band Rush say, oh, we love the police. And then hearing some of those songs where it's like, oh, I, I, I hear it. Mm-hmm. That kind of reggae rock. Yeah. Uh, Sting by himself is an acquired taste, but he's still really good. And that last solo, re- well, that one was Shaggy was a was a dumpster fire but the one right before that was a great solo record i'm gonna go down the middle well i'm going down the middle but i'm going down the middle because i think they were uh, he was underrated with the police Mm -hmm. and overrated as a solo artist okay i would agree with that so they hated each other during synchronicity oh i know hated the point where they had to get a studio that was big enough to put them in different rooms even different floors and that's like, you know, some would say their greatest police record. They just couldn't stand each other. And yet, the byproduct. And then you hear it and you're like, wow, that had 52 different covers. There are 52 different photos on that cover. Really? Yeah, of different versions of it. Interesting. Yeah. Well. For huh. the nerdy collector. <laughs> For the nerdy. <laughs> and and that's basically you. Yes. Uh, I and we've we've touched on these names already, but I might as well throw them out there because I thought for a sports tie-in today. Yes, Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, each of them overrated, underrated. I'm not a Packer fan, but I, I know you're not. But, but I I appreciate the athleticism of an Aaron Rodgers. He's a winner. Everything I've read about him, though, off the field kind of gives you a, a sour taste. I've heard some things. Um, I feel like it's been a while, though, that he's had a championship ring. Yeah. I'm going to say... I mean... I'm going to say down the middle for Aaron. I'm going to say overrated for Philip Rivers. 
because when he when he got sent to Colts, I feel like I heard you even go, what in the world are they thinking? Well, th- no, what they were thinking was they're trying to buy some time. They're trying to buy some time to to get the next quarterback. They know Jacoby Percept was not the answer. Yeah. Okay. okay. And Philip so Rivers is a filler. Philip Rivers was an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett. Okay. He's fine for now. But has Philip Rivers ever played in the Super Bowl? No. Will he? No. So for Philip Rivers, I have to say overrated. Only purely on the field. As a person, he's a terrific person. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think you have to ask yourself, do you put him in the pantheon of Brady? Well, no, not really, because Brady's got all those Super Bowl rings. How many does Aaron have? Two? Three, I believe. Three? Do you put him in the pantheon of Peyton? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, do you put him Drew in? Drew Brees? Yeah. I. Who would you rather have right now, Aaron? Well. And then never mind the fact that Drew Brees has five fractured ribs. Yeah. Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees as your quarterback? You had to win a big game. Mm. Drew Brees, to me, is a system quarterback. He has found the right system for him in New Orleans. Aaron Rodgers, while I can't envision him off the Packers any more than I could have envisioned Brett Favre off the Packers, and yet Brett Favre played for two or three teams after Or the Tom Packers. Brady as a Buccaneer. Right. But without Aaron Rodgers... The Packers of the last 15 years would not have been any stinking good. I agree. So I don't see how you could possibly overrate him. I think he's somewhat underrated because rare is the time that he's had a defense or a running game around him. He has kept them competitive with his right arm. All right. So Well said. There you have it. And like you. I'm not a Packer fan. No. I'm not sitting there worshiping at the temple of Aaron Rodgers, but I respect the heck out of him. Yes. So, okay. That's there a you good have one. it. That's a good one to chew on. Mm-hmm. So that ends this episode, this podcast, number 259, and our thanks to uh, Tom Noy once again. I found myself going back and listening to that, and he said some really good stuff kind of sandwiched in there with uh, – you know, some stuff about Notre Dame basketball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'd know. He's, he's, he's got an inside scoopy-doopy. Well, except this year, he doesn't. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. But he can text the coach and ask on our behalf. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Share, like, leave a review. We always like that kind of stuff. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. You're on Twitter posting annoying gifs, aren't you? Oh, today's. Come on. The the mean look, and then I, I did what's called a bounce, and then you go back, and then you go, oh, come on. That's award-winning. My name is Corey. <laughs> and the show itself has a Twitter. Uh, Sports Yak with two Ks. Curious follow-up question. Will you be tweeting tonight's score if I can't watch in real time the pay-per-view? Or are you going to hold off? I usually kind of react to what everybody else. I mean, everybody else. The score will be out there. Mm -hmm. Here's here's my thought, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't want to pay for the pay-per-view, that's your call. But then don't come griping if I post the score on social media. 
Here's your responsibility as a viewer. Stay off the social media and stay off the weed. <laughs> what are you saying? Who are you pointing that finger at? All right. Uh, you're on Twitter, though, at 46sports? Yes. Yes. But stay off the social media tonight if you're watching the game tonight at 11 or tomorrow morning at 9 and don't want to know how it came out. Don't blame me for doing my job. <laughs> Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Chase Utley. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.